Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome to 1111 Talk Radio. I'm thrilled to have you with me today. I've got an exciting show plan today that's going to dive into a deep conversation for women around reclaiming personal power, recovering from neglect, manipulation, betrayal, and reawakening your emotional intimacy. Before I introduce you to Jemana Sophia, I want to mention that the new 1111 magazine is up and out. It is always filled with powerful content celebrating six individuals and the work that they bring to the world so that you can see uh, what they do, who they are, the protocols, the books, the products, the things that they are sharing with the world, partake of them, but also see models how it is to express your creative capacity because you too are a light in the world. So definitely dive into that at 1111mag.com. The magazines are always free and are provided as a gift to humanity from me. In addition, we are now launching some beautiful online mastermind courses from the 1111 alumni of 1111 Talk Radio and Magazine. They are putting together incredible courses that allow you to dive deeply into topics uh, that let you taste and flavor the aspect of yourself that needs to work with that, as well as get to know a little bit about this particular teacher, speaker, or coach so that you can dive more deeply into their other work. So definitely check that out. I'll share one of those with you later on in the show. My guest today is Jemana Sophia, and she is a deeply trusted teacher, beloved ceremonialist, author, healer, and ordained priestess. She is a guide she has raised two temples and founded Her Mystery School, an international women's ministry and mystery school. Her work articulates the soul road of womanhood and the nobility, the eternal rightness, and the incorruptible beauty of female sexuality. It is profound work. She is uh, a radiant woman to experience both inside and out. She truly is sharing something that is powerful and necessary with the world. I'd love to share a little bit of her book with you right now. The book is titled Break the Grip of Past Lovers. In simple terms, female sexuality is both powerful and vulnerable, and it is unique in a way that almost all healing modalities, therapies, religions, and even spiritual paths don't fully recognize. For as necessary and potent as such practices can be, They have gaps in understanding about some very core concepts related to women. Those gaps become unbridgeable chasms when it comes to reclaiming our female sexuality, caring for that nature and understanding and clearing lingering sexual experiences. The place to begin is with recovering the fullness of our sexual energy. This isn't just about your sex drive. It's much bigger than that. It starts by dismissing the commonly held idea that sexuality is just in the bedroom or even explicitly sexual. Female sexuality is actually a creative force that moves along a continuum throughout many aspects of your life. Again, this is from her book, Break the Grip of Past Lovers. Reclaim your personal power, recover from neglect, manipulation, or betrayal, 
Reawaken Your Emotional Intimacy. Welcome, Jumana, to 1111 Talk Radio. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Simran. This is a, a really powerful book. It, it goes into a lot, and it is a topic that has not been discussed enough. And I think the first place that I want to start has to do with your your cover title, um, because you're talking about past lovers. But I'm wondering if the topic that you're discussing here also extends out to a lot of the other issues that we're dealing with at this time, when we think about the Me Too movement, when we think about Epstein, Weinstein, you know, whether it's the average Joe that someone has gotten in a relationship that went really badly uh, mm-hmm. or ended in a way that was hurtful uh, to, to even a, a romantic relationship that is going on that has friction that is not quite delineated yet as a friend or lover or whatever it is. Can mm-hmm. you share where you feel like the scope of this book takes us and to mm-hmm. what audience it can really support? Sure. Um, you know, the way that I work with the concept or the the work of breaking the grip of past lovers or clearing past loverships is almost as a doorway in, right? So these are some of the most intimate relationships or the place where we, we do touch some of our greatest powers and our greatest vulnerabilities. So working through the book, working through the process in the book ends up, of course, not being about the past lover. <laughs> it ends up about being this whole process of recovery, recovery of things we usually didn't have even before the relationship because we haven't had that modeled or because of what's happening in the culture and all the different ways in which female sexuality has been either invalidated or manipulated. So the way that I, the the larger scope of the book I would say is that we have all had intimate relationships and we all often have residual impacts from them whether even if it's beautiful, many of us have negative experiences that we're still struggling to resolve and that impact whether or not we can enter freely into new intimacies. Even if we've had beautiful experiences, they can linger and there can be unresolved grief there. So to be able to use a past lovership as a catalyst for stepping fully into residency and sexual sovereignty makes the scope of the book very broad, actually. There are women who have reached out to me having worked to recover from long-term sexual abuse, you know, from these deeper wounds and deeper, um, you know, related but very difficult recovery processes. And they, they receive a lot from the book because it's not... It lets that moment, that intimacy and that relationship be a catalyst, but it takes women into recovery and full residency in what their sexuality really is and full ownership of it so that it cannot be manipulated anymore, so that it can be a joy. Yeah. I love that word, residency, that you use because there's there's definitely... When you say it, there's there's a powerful effect in me of mm-hmm. living outside the body versus living inside the body. You know, yes. ownership and and empowerment versus disempowered and cast aside. Talk a little bit more about that word residency when residency. it comes to our sexual mm-hmm. our sexual natures. Yes. 
Well, you know, I like to say sex is something that you are, not something that you do. And many of us have been conditioned to kind of, yes, encounter sexuality from outside of ourselves, either because we're trying to be something that we're not, rather than letting it be an experience that unfolds from inside of us, or, you know... When we experience traumatic experiences, when we experience violation or, you know, vilification, all the different things that can impact our sense of ourselves as sexual creatures, we actually tend to abdicate residency in our bodies. We step out of being fully what we are. And so a lot of the process of coming back into really inhabiting our sexuality, really letting it be a nourishment for us rather than a sense, a place of entrapment or hopelessness is literally to come back into our bodies and our, our erotic bodies, the, you know, the, the womb space, the pelvic bowl, breasts, you know, really coming back in and saying, this is my body and I want to understand how she moves more as an inquiry, an ongoing inquiry into what we are rather than coming at it from the outside or attempting to be something that we think we should be. And so when you're talking about sexual sovereignty, mm-hmm. you're talking about a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, in a lot of cases, when, when women are engaging in intimacy or an outsider or a partner is looking at a woman engaging in intimacy that looks like freedom and sovereignty. Is there a distinction from what you're saying versus that freedom of choice? Yes. You know, I think what I what I gesture more towards is what is the actual internal experience of sexuality? I think that, you know, there's a way that we can, we have the capacity to enter all sorts of portraits, right, to look or even on some level experience a certain amount of freedom or a certain amount of expression. But what are actual, you know, a lot of women I work with, they, they don't actually feel that on the inside. You know, there are, there are parts of their internal terrain, aspects of their internal terrain that are actually pretty confused about sexuality or still feeling kind of insecure even as they, you know, even as they seem open and expressive or they feel more exposed than they would like to be. You know, so I think that the conversation around freedom is much less about the portrait of a freely expressive, freely sexual woman and much more about entering a state of real reverence and care for ourselves as sexual creatures, realizing that 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 is not only powerful, it's vulnerable, that we to be free in our sexual expression is not only to be able to move freely with arousal and desire and pleasure in the body, but also to be able to move freely with the vulnerabilities that arise to create interpartnerships and intimate relationships that can support both things because vulnerability doesn't always look like freedom. It can look like I'm feeling kind of shut down. I feel wobbly. I feel insecure. I, I feel all these different things. And there's a doorway into true intimacy there. And sexuality will bring us to both. So when I welcome women into a greater sexual sovereignty, it's not just into this portrait of, of liberated sexuality. It's into a much deeper holding of the fullness of what woman is and what 
what sexuality really does elicit and catalyze inside of us. I really appreciate that distinction, and I, I appreciate the way that you are really allowing women to understand that this is going deeply within oneself for yeah. a self-intimacy uh, that is an even deeper engagement than anything that is happening uh, externally. Yeah. So you start off the book talking about how um, our current cultural climate relationships swing from different polarities and that we have really lost the pulse of what truly healthy and vibrant female sexuality is. Mm-hmm. And, and because we have lost that pulse, what is it? What is a truly healthy and vibrant female sexual expression? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the biggest pieces of that is that it's mysterious and it's about having an ongoing living connection to our sexual current. You know, what we often tend to want to do or in the, in the cultural swings between repression or over-sexualization, there's a lot of attempting to kind of put it in a box or, you know, label it as this or that, say this is what it is, this is what it is to be healthy, this is what it is to be in integrity, whatever it is. And the truth of female sexuality, which is the truth of the female nature, is that she's a mystery. And so when to really come on to the pulse of our sexual current is to take that risk in a way, to be willing to meet ourselves again and again and be honest, be transparent with what is alive inside of us. So, you know, that means that, yes, actually, we're in a discovery process now. There is, There has not been much modeling for us. There's been a lot of you know, accumulated manipulation and misunderstanding over time. So where that is going to come from is from our own bodies and from our moment and from being able to, in a way, just first acknowledge that it's a living pulse that that will ebb and flow inside of us, that will shift and change, and that our ability to listen to that, express that, and live from that is what brings freedom. It's not ever going to resolve itself into a portrait for us. It's not ever going to be something that we finally get and then understand for the rest of our lives. It is, it's, for me, it, it's why female sexuality opens the doorway to a spiritual path, to a whole life path of intimacy with what we really are. Mm, I love how you say this is a spiritual path because mm-hmm. really we can use anything for that spiritual growth and that spiritual path mm-hmm. uh, when we are approaching it with that devotion. And when we look at our relationships, whether this is a one-night stand or whether this was a long-term relationship, mm-hmm. you share with us that that there, there is a lingering something that is left there, an impression, an experience, a feeling, something that has affected us in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. But does it not also affect those around and beyond us? Because as women, if we bear children, all, it, it seems like all of that becomes uh, lineage. It becomes residue. It becomes inheritance unless we're willing to make certain that we have purified and cleaned up what yes. we've got and we are holding. Talk a little bit about how that leaves the impressions uh, lingering longer, long after the relationship has completed. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, in a way sexuality has become watered down in the way that it's presented in the way that we are often 
taught to experience it, the truth is that it's a very, very rich, very multidimensional experience. It's emotional, it's sexual, it's physical, it's often spiritual. So what what the book is about and what I feel like it answers in a way is what happened to all the the women's arts about caring for ourselves after intimacies, you know? And so, yes, it's very important that we address these, address these and hold these experiences as the potent experiences that they are and then care for ourselves. And, you know, I think a lot of us, which is part of why the book felt so important to me is that there, it's almost, these are, these are healing art forms, the arts of clearing someone out of your system, the arts of, you know, resolving emotional impact, neglect, betrayal, resolving all these things. So yes, they aren't living in us and therefore passed through our own creative agency into our children, our world, and our future intimacies. My guest today is Jumana Sophia, and we are diving into her book, Break the Grip of Past Lovers. Uh, In this book, she does move into the spaces of neglect, betrayal, manipulation, sexual or emotional insensitivity, physical and emotional abandonment, and the violation of trust that can so often plague us as we move through different types of relationships. In Break the Grip of Past Lovers, Jumana teaches women how to move beyond the lingering betrayals of past relationships to really reclaim their power, reestablish healthy boundaries, and move forward into deeper relationships with a renewed sense of wholeness and trust. She addresses issues of regret, remorse, low self-esteem, and broken trust while guiding the reader in healing from betrayal and all of the aspects of manipulation as well as the experiences that were so beautiful that they have received grief and irreconcilable longing uh, instead in their place. Along with the book, she does have a course that she is offering as well as a membership for ongoing support. And you can find out more about her book, about her own journey, and her membership if you go to jamanasofia.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? 
how would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. I want to share a little bit with you about the 1111 Mastermind community and one of the first uh, course teachers that we have leading a course on the freedom of forgiveness. Patrick Paul Garlinger is an incredible individual who has been on both the radio and magazine for 1111 and he has written numerous books he actually has a book that was just released uh, in January that is incredibly beautiful that is um, the sacred task of uniting humanity and you can also explore his book Bending Time but for the 1111 mastermind community he created a very rich seven-part course on the freedom of forgiveness which allows you to have the ability to let go of the pain of the past experience a capacity for greater connection and empathy, have a renewed sense of lightness and peace, and the capacity to handle interpersonal conflict with an increased ability to be in the moment in everyday life. So it is time to release the past, embrace the present, and create a joy-filled future. I invite you to explore that a little bit more by going to all the courses on the 1111mag.com website. I think you'll find some very, very interesting and beautiful things there. Jumana Sophia's journey has been, unfortunately, one that is very similar to many of ours, but also unique in its own ways. It has led her to creating a very rich and beautiful space, a sacred space for women to go to reclaim their sexuality, to remember what it means to be in sacred ceremony with themselves to touch intimacy and vulnerability. She has gone through her own experiences in learning how to recover herself and honor her own sexuality, as well as understand and come to terms with what she felt like she lost in regard to time with her son or her own personal experiences. We have all had countless experiences of crying or fighting or being in emotional pain. We've all had encounters with lovers in which we wish things had turned out differently and left with self-esteem issues or pain and regret. And whether it is something slight or something very deep, it is one of the most sacred acts of loving to be willing to go in 
and become intimate with the very places that the wounds sit. So I welcome you back, Jumana Sophia. You can find out more about her at jumanasophia.com. That link is in her bio, and it is J-U-M-A-N-A-S-O-P-H-I-A.com. Welcome back. Um, Your own experiences have led you to a journey of wholeness. And so everything that you're sharing uh, is actually an embodied experience that you yourself have moved into. And when when you look at the things that you are moving women through, and I gave a list and we'll start with neglect, um, that's something that starts early on. That that even starts before we have our intimate sexual loving experience. For many women, that starts with their own fathers and uh, more of a distant kind of neglect, neglect. Talk a little bit about that piece in regard to breaking the grip of lovers. Well, the way that the way that the process in the book approaches neglect and really everything is all right, here you are in this moment. You me a woman as she is now and that that when neglect has happened over time, especially if yes, it started early on in life, it leaves a dimming. There is a sacred need inside of all of us, inside of womankind, to be seen. You know, it's not, I think sometimes we invalidate our own sacred needs, right? It's, I don't really need that. I, you know, oh, to be, uh, to be cherished. To, you know, these, these things that we often come to see as luxuries, especially if we didn't, weren't raised on, if we were raised in neglect. So coming into recovery of neglect is really about deep feminine practice. It's really about finding those places in our literal being that are dimmed because they haven't been seen, because they haven't been given place by the ones that we've brought intimately into our life or who have had intimate roles in our life. So for me, a lot of what the where the recovery comes from and then the ongoing empowerment that comes from it is that we, through the book, through the practices, discover how to recognize what's happening. Okay, I feel dimmed. This is what's, ha- you know, a bit of my own shine and radiance and energy has actually gotten kind of dimmed and rubbed off from this experience, that we can see that and then actually know what to do about it. Because it's not, what I what I found with myself and what I find with a lot of women is that we can be really skilled at understanding what happened. You know, talking about the situation, understanding the dynamics, discussing it. But to get underneath of that and touch into our energetic being, touch into what we are and the places where energy has been drained or we've lost a part of ourselves and really recover that is a different art form. It has a, there's a, there are, and I would call that a deep feminine art form, meaning that it, it moves under the surface of what we can understand and articulate and describe into what we actually experience, the embodied experience, um, the, the multidimensional reality of ourselves as emotional and spiritual and physical beings. So that's, that's how I've come to address neglect over time is that I, I will notice now, oh, I'm feeling dim. And it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to then become about the other person. It becomes primarily about self-care. 
okay, I see that. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to name that sacred need. I'm going to validate it. And I'm going to make sure that it gets met. And that's, that's where some of the deepest recovery of truly holding ourselves can come in as we move through a process like clearing past lovers and recovering sovereign sexuality. Yeah, the, this process that you take women through, it's such mm-hmm. an internal mm-hmm. presence and an internal mirror. And yet I can see the, 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 the infinite flow between the inner and the outer world. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about neglect and oftentimes where that seeded, where that seed began in early childhood and where we attract the lovers that just re-wound that initial seed so that we can come to awareness of it. Mm. Uh, you write about interdependence and, and that seed of neglect is really also the birthplace of codependence. Mm-hmm. It's what makes us go out and want to do things to try to get the love, which then creates some of those issues, which then comes back on us to have some of the, the issues of self-esteem all over again. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that movement of, of how the codependent nature mm-hmm. uh, is not just that external thing. It's, it's a codependency with ourselves and how we have to shift into that independence and then interdependence. Yeah, I, I, would, and I would say it really as this stepping into truly holding ourselves. And where, you know, that feet, that codependent, Creating codependent relationships, entering codependent dynamics, that actually has a visceral feeling to it. If you, if we really develop more and more of a sensitivity and an awareness of ourselves from the inside, it starts to become really clear when we, when we start to lean out, when we start to move into a portrait of what we think wants to be done or shown or what, what would get us the love rather than really staying in residency with what we are. So, you know, for me, working with codependence, working with all these complex um, issues that have roots way in childhood and can get very complicated, where that, you know, where the deep feminine approach, I think, really serves that is it's a simple but powerful way of reorienting to personal power in the moment so that it we don't have to lose ourselves in you know, lose ourselves in over analysis or despair about oh I'm I'm in a codependent relationship again or I'm I'm leaning out again and get kind of lost in the complexity of it more the invitation again and again is to say no very simply I've left myself I choose to return. Mm. And then and then having taken the time in internal practice to have actually carved out the pathway home. You know, a lot of the way that the internal and external work together, especially in this work, is that we do these practices, we come to this repair within ourselves inside of time that we've taken aside where there's not a charge, there's not a trigger, there's nothing going on. And as we do that, we actually carve out pathways inside of ourselves that are then available in the face of a difficult situation, a trigger or, a, you know, a pull into a codependent choice, right? And there's, we're therefore then resourced in a way that we are not if we haven't taken the time to carve it out inside of ourselves. Mm. So ultimately really neglect is, is that self neglect and it's, it's coming to back, back to that place of nourishment 
for oneself and understanding how to really give yourself the very things that you keep trying to get. It is that. I think there's, you know, and I think because we're in the terrain of sexuality and intimacy and relationship, it's a, it's, it is interdependent, though, because on the one hand, we want to know how we can really hold ourselves regardless of circumstance. So my partner can't meet me right now, or I'm not in a partnership, or I've been diminished by my partner, that I would have the wherewithal and the knowledge that uh, that I've that I need in that moment to repair any neglect that I've just experienced. However, you know, the, you know, the truth is that when we invite someone into an, in, an intimate partnership with us, we invite them into our intimate lives, sexually especially, they become one of the closest mirrors to us. And what I, what I see women sometimes doing is they'll be in a relationship where they aren't seen or there's neglect or there's diminishment and they don't, they internalize even that as if they're supposed to be stronger or or it's their fault that it's affecting them so deeply. If only they were really independent or if only they were really self-sufficient, they could handle this or they could, you know, they could take care of themselves in it. What I think is important is to acknowledge both. We come to relationship with hopefully a developed self-intimacy so that we can bring ourselves to the relationship so that we can bring our needs so that we can even know what they are and we can bring that but and who we choose to be that close to us is partly such an important choice because they will have an impact on our energetics on our sense of ourselves because when you're sexually intimate with someone you create a unified field there is a there is a deep interpenetration that is important to understand and work with um, consciously so that it does so that it has the potential to actually create nourishment and support our lives rather than taking us down and into wounded places, into re-traumatized and insecure places. Yes, most definitely. And I've I've had a guest on before and they've talked about how when we have intimate partners, we're not just having the intimacy with that partner, but all the partners that they've had intimacy with too. And energetically, we are pulling that in. So as you move through some of these sacred ceremonies and these processes, whether they are of psychology or whether they are of the heart or whether they are of the core, uh, is it a cleansing and a clearing that takes place in a way that, that you truly reclaim not just that but are able to dissolve any of the energies that have come in that are not serving yes for sure I mean there are relationships I've had that I literally can't I can't find them in my being anymore because they are they are that resolved and they are that like they are literally cleared out of my system and I think we all know how often it is that we'll think we're clear of something but it comes back around or it's always, you know, there's that little thorn, that little pee under the, <laughs> under the mattresses that kind of keeps us just a little irritated or a little distracted by this unresolved energy or this unresolved experience. A lot of what does clear these things has to do with coming into full residency. So one of the 
teachings that I love so much is that if you're in residency, no one else can be. So if you think even just about the womb and these, you know, the sexual center where we are actually receiving a lover into our body, into our deepest inner privacy, well, if we if we actually deepen in our residency there and we're there fully, it becomes true that there is no room for them to be there. There's no room for these extra energies, these these residual threads to people that we've had so deeply inside of us. And so the process of coming more and more into residency basically means you fill so much with yourself that everything else falls away. And why that is so relieving oftentimes is that I myself, I know a lot of women who've cut cords, they've had burning ceremonies, they've done all this clearing work, working hard to clear things out of their system, and it doesn't happen. Because the the turning toward nourishment and filling with ourselves, filling with our own vitality, coming into residency, is what actually then just lets all that fall off. There's no room for it anymore. We're filled to the top and it falls away. And there, there can be an effortlessness and a lot of deep feminine practice because we're working with the natural laws of the female body. And in that, the, the efforting and some of the things that have proven to be really difficult in other ways, all of a sudden is, is simple and almost happens of its own accord. Mm. To hold something sacred is mm. to honor it, to recognize it as special, or to lift up to the light. For millennia, the gifts of the feminine were hidden away in the shadows, mistaken, misunderstood, and misjudged. In the last few decades, however, many women and men have been rediscovering these gifts and stories and restoring the sacred her to an honored place in their homes and hearts. Despite this exciting sense of movement toward a deeper understanding of the feminine, we still live in a culture that is mostly frenetic and male-driven and prioritizes mind over body and emotion. Within this landscape, many of our needs and our deep feminine sensibility hide in plain sight, quite literally invisible to the mainstream culture. This is from Jumana Sophia's book, Break the Grip of Past Lovers, Reclaim Your Personal Power, Recover from Neglect, Manipulation, or Betrayal, Reawaken Your Emotional Intimacy. Uh, you can find out more about her at jumanasofia.com. And I invite you to also check out uh, the membership that she has about uh Sovereign Sexuality that provides you the ongoing support alongside of the book to assist you in reclaiming that emotional intimacy and personal power. Again, the website is jumanasofia.com and we'll be right back after these messages. Do you want more more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. 
Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Definitely check out all of the past archives of 1111 Talk Radio. I love all of the individuals that I invite to be on the show. Uh, They end up here because their work touches me. Uh, It feels like powerful conversations that are timely and an opportunity to celebrate them for what they have brought to the world. Today, my guest is Germana Sophia, and she's the author of Break the Grip of Past Lovers. She is a deeply trusted teacher, beloved ceremonialist, writer, healer, and ordained priestess. She's a guide and has raised two temples and founded Her Mystery School, an international women's ministry and mystery school. You can find out more about that, about this book, uh, Break the Grip of Past Lovers, as well as a new sovereign sexuality membership that provides ongoing support at Jumana Sophia. When you adventure in the field of sexuality, you evoke power and vulnerability inside of an energetic weave of another person. This is not simply psychological terrain. It happens in your body and soul. You feel it. You live it. From an energetic standpoint, when you were in a sexual exchange with another, you were actually woven together into one energetic body, unified in an experience together. This is what Giovanna Sophia means by energetic weave. And it can be true even if the relationship never made it all the way to actual intercourse. Welcome back, Giovanna. That's powerful. We don't even have to be fully sexual for that weave to take place and to to create something within us uh, that, that leaves a residue. It's it's true. You know, I think that that is part of reclaiming the fullness of what we are as beings, as women, and the fullness of our sexuality is that it's been put in such a tiny box, you know, through pornographic culture, through 
all of the vilification and the misunderstanding, we have this tiny little box of what explicit sexuality is and what female sexuality is, what it is in terms of our entire being, our emotional and spiritual self is so much more. It's a vast continuum and it it is not at all limited to this explicit box that sexuality has come to be kind of seen as and that's why we can have even just a deep a dance uh, a kiss um, even emotional intimacy that has that charge of arousal of opening to another person of really feeling them and taking them in and that can you know that will ripple through our being and can leave us with all sorts of things, you know, beauty. It can leave us inspired and catalyzed. It can also leave us feeling somehow diminished or confused or with that raw sense of having had a tender place exposed to someone and not really held. Mm. Yeah. Ultimately, all betrayal is really self-betrayal. Mm. But when we've gone through an experience of infidelity or betrayals involving money or dishonesty or you know individuals having full-blown affairs it leaves an indelible wound that that mm-hmm. oftentimes takes a long time for many people to get to the core of the self-betrayal that it originated from mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that particular piece in the way uh, you work with women and in the way this book supports women Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say there are there are those those two aspects to it because it's relational. So there is the piece of, you know, yes, we experienced betrayal. There was a, you know, betrayal for me has to do with the fact that we're living in one reality and an entire other reality is actually happening. When a betrayal or an infidelity is revealed, there's almost a, a colliding of realities there that feeling of the world turns upside down all of a sudden nothing makes sense there that is to in my experience an act that's actually what's happening so there's a the, the level of disruption and in a way I guess you could call it violence, but what is happening in a betrayal is significant because it, it literally does create a break in our reality what we believed, what we anchored into, and oftentimes what we built our whole lives on is all of a sudden not true. And that initiates a profound initiation. It, it initiates us into having to do the deep work of basically looking at the foundations of our lives, where we have chosen to root ourselves in, what we have chosen to rest into and trust, to find out what can be trusted and to really inventory all the ways in which yes we have betrayed ourselves all the ways in which if you take a relationship for instance many many times and I can speak to this from personal experience there'll be red flag after red flag and I will in hindsight, be able to see all of them. In the moment, there were so many reasons I had for not seeing, for not wanting 
to know. And the self-betrayal, it's, you know, the trick with self-betrayal is to understand that people can betray you and just be really good at it. And that's their, that's theirs, their choice to lie, their choice to um, be dishonest. That's, it's important to name that and let that be the responsibility of the other partner so that we're not internalizing that. But, and almost always there is a reckoning to be had with why didn't we want to see what was really going on? Because usually in hindsight, we knew. We'll see all the ways in which we knew. We'll remember things. We'll, we'll see all the ways in which we may have even spoke up about something. And, and instead of obeying and really trusting our instinct about it, allowed ourselves to be talked out of it. So, the self-betrayal piece is ultimately the final core piece of healing a betrayal and being willing again to trust ourselves. You know, we have to re-earn our trust in ourselves in order to enter into intimacy again with any kind of real availability. Yeah, I think, you know, that was that was the section that really hit so close to home yep. for me, you know, having come from a past relationship that that was filled with multiple infidelity mm-hmm. it it does it rocks you to your core about yeah. how you trust the world and how you trust yourself and ultimately the degree of self betrayal yeah. that had to have existed for that to have unfolded and you know when we live in this this world now there's so many things like sex addiction and narcissism and all of these conditions that different individuals have that when you initially meet someone, you're not sure if, if you're encountering that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it all ends up being an opportunity to see what the mirror is, to see where it is that we need to do the healing or provide the nourishment. And then yep. to take that to a very sacred place. Because yep. so often women can then feel dirty about their bodies or feel dirty mm-hmm. about sex or feel like it's, it's uh, something that they have to do or have to perform. What is the shift that takes place to really bringing a woman back to a place of ceremony and goddesshood and mm-hmm. true honoring of, you know, that sacred bowl and, and that mm-hmm. whole process of intimacy and sensuality and sexuality. You know, I think it really is about, you know, it is this deep internal work where to to really hold it as sacred means we have to hold it as sacred. There is a way in which there is the purification we have to go through and the way we hold ourselves. And most core, I would say, is coming to a place where we understand and we get behind the truth that our sexuality is for ourselves first and foremost. That it was always meant to be a place of nourishment for us for our entire lives. It's a creative wellspring and it's a regenerative wellspring. So the coming to real sacred context around it and then coming to a place where we enter relationships from a place of overflowing in our own sexuality rather than just feeling like we need to do this or it's just, you know, kind of going through the motions is to get pretty fierce about the truth that in no way is this inner resource, the inner resource of our sexuality, in no way is it for anybody else. It is always for ourselves. And when we make that shift, it starts to be possible to tend our own sexual current as 
an inner resource and not as something to be ashamed about, not as something to even manipulate on our own, but something that is a deeply creative gift inside of us that brings eros into our lives, that guides us. You know, the, our sexuality is not at all just about explicit sexuality. It's not at all even about, it's not, it's so much more than what it's been portrayed as. So it, our sexuality is the place where we actually come to understand what is for us, what is not for us, where we start to walk the line of discernment. And the way if we allow our sexuality to, and we li- deeply listen to, whether it's open, whether we're closed, you know, what's happening, whether we feel safe truly, whether we feel safe or whether we don't, we start to, we start to rediscover the deepest wisdom inside of us that actually is our discerning wisdom that will then inform us and guide us into right relationship. And that will then make sure that if we do get into a relationship and it turns out that this person is a narcissist or has these hidden things, that we'll be able to see that and take the right steps that we won't, you know, that we won't lose ourselves and our capacity for self-advocacy, even as we're really entering this kind of passionate, very interwoven terrain of intimacy. Um, one of the things that I think is really, really important for women, when they're, especially when they're recovering from betrayals and deep wounds, is to recognize that we actually engage, at, a, at the deepest level, we engage in intimate relationships in order to initiate ourselves into power. So, the way, you know, the, the kind of tragic thing is to have had a very wounding relationship and then to pile on a bunch of self-shaming on top of that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, look at the way I self-betrayed. Look at all these things. That, but, but to shift that and to always see our, initi- our intimacies as initiations into power that we, this is how we do it. We will initiate into power through this. And it's a it's a very important shift so that we actually have the pos- we have the possibility of seeing relationships for what they were and gathering power out of them rather than fueling our own sense of inadequacy or brokenness. We have just a couple of minutes left and I, mm-hmm. I want to have the listeners hear you on this particular topic that's in your book and you write that the first behavior pattern to examine in your past is a sense of entitlement any ways in which you acted or felt like you were owed something talk a little bit about entitlement and how it embodies that sense of superiority and ungratefulness to create expectations of the partner yeah you know entitlement there's a way that women are deeply receptive magnetic creatures and what happens in entitlement is that we basically rigidify and, and instead of being in a state of inviting in what we want, inviting a partner forward into the into more of what they are, entitlement basically comes up and over and down on them and often pushes down what they and pushes away what they most want to give to us actually. So Entitlement comes from all sorts of places, right? It comes from wounding. It comes from selfishness. It comes from all these places. But what it what it always looks like and feels like is a pushing out and a coming down and around and demanding rather than a settling back into fullness and inviting and receiving our partner. And, you know, that requires acknowledging that, 
you know, in entitlement, what often happens is that we come up with the ways in which we know we're loved, the ways in which exactly how we want to be met, all these things. And a lot of times that comes from a place of wanting to really honor ourselves. I want to honor myself. I want to make sure that I'm being met in this or that way. But, you know, in, in intimacy and in love, there's vulnerability on both sides. So what is so much more effective and deeply true to the female being is to come into a receptive place and to find ways of inviting what we want and really deeply receiving what is given. That, you know, entitlement often ends up being a place where we don't even receive what's being given. So we're starving and the, our partner is, you know, feeling completely diminished because what they're giving is never enough. Mm-hmm. You can only yeah. recover your personal power by turning toward yourself. Mm-hmm. After you understand the basic dynamics, there's nothing to be gained by rehashing your old lover's gifts, flaws, and actions, or the complicated story of the relationship. Recovering personal power starts right here, right now, with you. This is from Jemana Sophia's book, Break the Grip of Past Lovers. I invite you to check out her website, jemanasophia.com. Uh, join her membership, Sovereign Sexuality, and get yourself that ongoing support. Check out her YouTube videos. She's wonderful on there. Or sign up for her newsletter. But definitely get the book, Break Your Get the Grip of Past Lovers, and Clear, Transform, and Reclaim Yourself. My guest next week is Bob Holman, the poet. It should be a delightful show. Thank you, Jemana Sophia, for being here. And I appreciate all of my listeners for being here as well. Until next week, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey. 